And open your Bible with me to the book of Matthew chapter seven, Matthew chapter seven. We're taking another dive into the series we've been on for the last few weeks entitled foundations. And I appreciate uh, brother John Copta last weekend. How many of y'all enjoyed John Copta last weekend? What a phenomenal, great message. Love brother John. But I want to continue on here in the series of foundations because I truly believe that this is something the Lord is stirring in us as a church body. And I believe the words that we hear is not just for us, but I believe it is for the body of Christ as a whole. Because what lies before us, I believe that we are moving into a season where we are going to see more interesting times than we've already seen. I would love to stand here on the stage and just tell you the rest of your life is going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be absolutely incredible. You're never going to have another problem. You're never going to have an issue. But I truly do believe that we're moving into a time where we're going to start seeing persecution like we've never seen before. I believe that in the cultural war that we are fighting right now between biblical values and what God's word says is right and wrong, it's greatly being attacked. Whenever you have school systems that are banning the Bible from their libraries because they're saying it is a dangerous book, how many of y'all know we've got some issues in our own nation? Amen. And this is just, I'm going to do a series here after I get done the foundations about the cultural war and how we're to approach that. Here the wind, so I'm going to try to avoid going too far out there. But I want us to look again here at Matthew chapter 7 because this is the foundation for the series we've been in. But let me tell you, this has got to be something that I, I want you to hear this with just a fresh set of ears today. And what is God speaking to you in this, 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 this story? Because it's the simplistic story. It's the old Bible school story of the wise and the foolish builders. You know, I still remember being in Sunday school many years ago Talk about the wise and the foolish builders, you know. Anybody remember that old Sunday school song? You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house. Anybody remember that besides me? Am I the only one? Yeah. Come on, I will save you the agony of hearing me sing. So I'll move in. Let's read the scripture. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 7 as he really wraps up just some great set of biblical principles as we know as a Sermon on the Mount. But look with me here. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, or we say the word of God, and who does them, I will liken him to what? Come on, everybody read this part with me. A wise man who built his house on, on the rock. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, you got to be wise. Verse 25. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, sounded like in Oklahoma right here, and the winds blew and beat up on that house, but what was the result of it? It did not fall. Why? For it was, come on, say it with me, founded on, I like the way the New King James says, upon the rock. Not just a rock, but the rock. Come on, how many of y'all know the rock of Jesus in your life today? Amen. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these things of mine but does not do them will be like a foolish man. Come on, look at your name and tell him, don't be foolish. Like a foolish man who built his house upon what? Built on the, and what happened then? The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it, it fell. And it even adds this, and great was its fall. We've been looking at this passage of scripture and we've been talking about how important it is that when we face the storms of life, when we face the craziness of life, it's not about how good you look on the outside. Come on. Come on. It's not about the house you have, the car you drive, the money you make, but it's all about what? The foundation. The foundation is what determines the success of these two houses in this story that Jesus tells. Come on. The one that was built upon the rock stood 
the storms, come on, stood the, the, the craziness, stood the mess of life. And I think every one of us here today, we can probably identify with the storms of life. The storms come, they come to us all, right? And so it's in times of the storm that we've got to make sure that to, to survive the storm, we've got to have a strong foundation in our lives, right? But let's look at something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hold that thought. I'm going to come back to the thoughts there Jesus shared with us. The wise, the foolish builders. Wise man built his house upon the rock. Foolish man built his house upon the sand, right? Come on. The one that was on the rock succeeded. But look at something that Paul identifies in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, I don't have time to set the tone, excuse me, set the context to this passage of scripture. But Paul is talking about a foundation. He starts talking about how, you know, there's this argument, you know, between who's greater, but, you know, and Paul, I love what he said. He says, you know, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but he said, God gets the increase. And he goes in and talks about the importance of our foundation. Let's pick it up in verse 12. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels. Come on. Anybody like a little gold, little silver, little jewels. Come on now. Come on, where's any, any of you ladies like a little bit of gold, silver, and jewels? Okay, yeah. Gold, silver, jewels. But he also says wood, hay, and stubble. Now look at this. He says, but on the judgment day, look at this. He says, the fire, fire. Everybody say fire. Come on, fire will reveal what kind of work that each builder, I believe that we're all a builder, right? We're all building something. Come on, we're building a life. Come on, some of you, you're building a family. Maybe you're building a business. Maybe you're, you're building. We're all in the building process. I need you to understand that. Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Then the fire will show if a person's work has value. Verse 14, for if the work survives, I don't know about you, but if I've got something I've built in my life, how many of y'all want that to survive? Come on, come on. If you're married today, how many of you want your marriage to survive? Okay, that was three of you said amen. <laughs> come on, how many of y'all want your marriage to survive? Yeah, come on now. Come on, you're married to the best spouse that you could ever pick out. You, come on, you got the best one right there, amen. Amen, somebody got excited back there. <laughs> right? The... Verse 40, if, if, if the work survives, that builder will receive a great reward. But if the work is burned up, come on, how many of y'all have had a work burned up before? Come on, how many of y'all know God's bigger than divorce? Come on, how many of y'all are glad to be rid of the bum? I mean, how many of y'all are glad that God is bigger than divorce? Right? Most likely, if you had to go through a divorce, there was something that was not right in it. Right? But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. See, I truly believe that we're all building something. We're all a work in progress. Come on, everybody say that. Say, I'm a work in progress. Look at somebody beside you and tell them, God is still working on me. Okay? Now, let, let me just dialogue here for just a moment, then I'm going to get into my points, but... 
So we see Jesus on one hand using and talking about this parable of the wise and the foolish builders. We read that and we all say, man, yeah, I'm going to be a wise builder. I'm going to build my house up on the rock, right? You know, nobody wants to be the foolish one. Build them on the sand. Yeah, come on. We, we identify with the wise builder. But Paul here, I think he identifies something just a little bit deeper to what Jesus was talking about, the wise and foolish builder. Because Paul identifies here that as we are building something that in our core... Man, there's some good stuff inside of us, right? Come on, how many of y'all got some good stuff inside of you? I mean, everyone, you better say amen, right? But I can't help but to think with what we have in the core of our life, there are those good things, the wood, uh, excuse me, the gold, silver, and precious stones, but I can't help but think, do do we all have a little bit of wood, hay, and stubble in us too, right? Most likely in your core, your core belief system, the center of your life, Because, see, your core belief system is really made up of several things we talked about a few weeks ago. It's made up of of your personality. It's made up of your past experiences. It's it's made up of of the experience you had at home with your parents. It's it's really made up of others. That all uh, is your identification. It it creates an identity inside of you, your core belief system. And so if me as being a pastor even here today, I've got to look into my core belief system, the foundation of my life, and I need to identify what is the good things, the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Bless God. I grew up in a pastor's home. My mom and dad taught me to rely upon the word of God. My, my mom and dad, anytime we would get sick, they didn't rush us to the doctor. The first thing they did is put us in bed and they put Bible scriptures on. Anybody remember the cassette tapes? Man, my mom and dad, they sat there and played the cassette tapes of the Bible being read time and time again. And you know what? My experiences when I was a child of going to the doctor are very small. I only had just a few small experiences because my mom and dad turned to the word of God first. Now they didn't neglect the doctors. Don't, uh, don't, don't get weird on me. Okay. I'm just saying that, you know, if it's just a cold or something, they, they gave us the word of God was the first thing that they gave us in that. So that's ingrained, that's embedded into my life. But I've also got other experiences in my life that are probably of the flesh of me. Cause how many of y'all know, man, if it wasn't for me, we'd be a really good person sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And, and now let me just identify this to make sure we're all on the same page. Now our life in Jesus Christ, how many of y'all know Jesus today? Let me hear you. Oh man, I like that roar. Woo, come on, y'all are awake today on this Labor Day weekend. Y'all are awake. I love hearing that. So my life in Christ, whenever I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, I become now justified in Christ. In other words, my life in Christ, guess what? I'm perfect. Woo-hoo. I can't be any more saved today than I was when I re- surrendered my life. I'm it, man. I, my life in Christ, I'm perfect. All the good works that I do, all my church attendance, all my tithing, all my serving him, doesn't get me any more saved. You guys got me here? In other words, whenever you surrender your life to Jesus, in Jesus, come on, we're perfect and you, he's proud of you. He's excited about you. He's glad you're his son and he's glad you're his daughter. And I don't care how the good works, you can come wash my truck every day of the week. You know, that doesn't make you any more saved. You could try it if you'd like. I'd be glad to let you do that. Right? But all of works doesn't get us any more saved. We're as, you're as saved as you're going to get. I know about you, but I'm excited about that. But the reality is this. I'm justified in Christ. I'm perfect in Jesus Christ. But here's our challenge. I say this many times, but I want to drive this home with you. How much of Christ are you allowing to live inside of you? How much of Christ am I allowing to live inside of me? This is what Paul begins to identify here. There's, there's the gold, the silver, the precious stones, but there's also some stuff. Come on, how much of Christ are you allowing to live in me, in you? How many of y'all would look at your life and say, you know what? I probably got a little work to do. 
Anybody? Come on, husbands. How many of y'all are perfect husbands today? Let me hear you guys. I know. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Your wife's like, you're not perfect. No. <laughs> you're not perfect. You know, in other words, we're all a work in progress. I've been married for 34 years. Oh, you guys, man, some of y'all need to come to first service, man. I mean, you guys are awake and lively, but I'm 34 years. You know what? I, every time I think I've got Tammy figured out, guess what happens? It changes. <laughs> I, 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 I still got just a little bit. I, I'm better than I used to be though. I've been married for 34 years. I'm not married for 34 years just because both of us are perfect. No, I'm married for 34 years because we stuck it out. And we have decided that we're going to grow together. Amen. Come on, parents. Come on. How many of y'all got a little, I, I've learned this about being an empty nester. By the time you figure it out, your kids are out of the house. Then you get to sit back as a grandparent and tell your kids how to raise their grandkids, your, your grandkids, their kids, right? We're pretty good at that, right? You should do this. Do it this way. Do it. No, no, no. It's hard as a grandparent to stay out of the, your kids' parenting. I've learned that. But anyway, so I need us to understand this, though. If we truly embrace the principle that in Jesus, I'm perfect, but how much of Jesus am I allowing in me? That's called sanctification. Again, how many of y'all would say, I've got a little work to do? That's not a bad thing. In fact, I believe for us to identify the fact that we've all got a little work to do shows us that we're spiritually mature to realize that, you know what? Let's work on this thing. Okay, let's go with my first thought here. My first thought today, I want to just drop into your spirit is this. To go up, to grow up, to go up, you have to go deep first. You got to go deep first, okay? This is why I say this. Because there are many Christian people that are wanting to follow Christ, but their faith is very shallow. It's very superficial, but to grow and mature in Christ, you've got to be willing to go deep first. Let me illustrate the fact. Uh, if you're in Oklahoma and live in Oklahoma, you're very familiar with the Devon Tower in Oklahoma City. This tower that was built back, what was 2010, I believe, or right around that time frame. I'm off just a couple of years, I believe. But this tower, it's a 50-story 50, 50 tower down there in Oklahoma City. If you've been anywhere in Oklahoma City, you have seen that tower. This has become an Oklahoma icon in Oklahoma. You look at anything in Oklahoma, pull up anything, you're going to probably see the Devon Tower. Why is that? Because it's a very large structure. It's one of the tallest. It's, I think, the tallest structure in Oklahoma, 50 stories high. Uh, I think it's on the 48th story. There is the Vast Restaurant. Anybody been to the Vast Restaurant? Yeah, it is pretty cool, man. A restaurant that you overlook all of Oklahoma City. Tammy and I went down there a couple of years ago for our anniversary and they, they, we, got, we went early and so there was a lot of seating available. So they took us and they set me right in this corner where the two walls come together. I am like looking to my left and all I can see is 48 stories down. I look to my right, all I can see is 48 stories down. I see Tammy right in front of me. I'm like, you know what? I, I've got a back problem. I got a yellow streak running down through my back. I'm like, I can't sit here. So I had to move, but you know, it's just very impressive. It's very beautiful structure. But what you don't realize is what it took to make the foundation for that tower. In fact, the most important part to this structure, it's not necessarily what you see, it's what's underground. And it was that the underground structure, it took them and they had a, to, it was a whole logistical challenge for them because they had to get enough cement poured in a matter of, I think it was 18 hours. They poured 6,500 square yards of concrete, 12 feet 
thick with reinforced steel that was tested at 7,000 PSI. That's the, that's the strength. That's, you know, out here in our parking lot, it's only about 3,500 PSI. So this was 7,000 PSI uh, cement that they had to pour in a matter of 12 hours. It was a steady flow of trucks just coming in from Delisi to dump that in a matter, I think it was, I think it was 12 hours, I can't remember, 12 or 18 hours it took them to pour that. Something very massive. And this is the principle I'm trying to get is for us to be something that is beautiful, you've got to have the strong foundation. There's got to be time spent on the foundation, right? Now, let me contrast it with just something that we did at the lake here on Friday. We was over at the lake and Caden, my grandson, you know, the, the, uh, we got this little, it's called the blob. It's pretty cool. You, you know, we set Caden out on the end of this blob and I jumped on it. Some of y'all saw it on Facebook. If you didn't see it, I got to show this to you. Just, it's just stinking funny. So I just let me show it to you right quick here. Uh, let's roll that. Five, two, <laughs> if you missed it, I'm going to have him play it again. You got to play it again real quickly. You just. <laughs> two, <three>. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, let me give a disclaimer. Right quick, okay? He wanted me to do that to him, okay? I just need somebody, because somebody's like, oh my gosh, that's child abuse right there. No, he wanted, he loved that. That was one of several that he did there. But why did I show that? Number one is, it's just thinking funny, and I had to show that to you. i like, I got to work that into my message somehow. So this is my working into the message somehow. But you contrast that moment with the Devon Tower, you know, it's, you know, Caden, he was on a foundation that was not sturdy. And it just took some old fat boy just to jump on that thing to catapult him out there. And I laugh about that, but even watching that scene, Caden just flinging through the air, like, you know, how many times have I seen Christians like that? They think they're okay, and a life event happens to them, and just bam, psh, and it just catapults them out there, and they feel like they're out of control. So of those two, which one do you relate to in the foundation of your life? See, I'm going to move us from this feeling out of control like the world has just dealt us a blow and we're just, just flailing through the air, hoping we land all right. To moving to more of that, like the Devon Tower, where no matter what comes, because we have gone deep, that we're going to make it. Husbands and wives, let me speak something to you. Before you build up, you got to go deep. You got to dig down and make a strong foundation. This is what I know about marriage. Husbands and wives. It's those differences that attract you. But many times after you say the I do's and the honeymoon's over, it's those differences that start driving you crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't look at your spouse right now. <laughs> look at your spouse and say, we need to go to the marriage ministry on Wednesday nights. <laughs> That's why the Bible says to dwell together with understanding, no matter what it is. Come on, to go higher, we gotta go deeper. We gotta work on the foundation. Look at something here in 1 Peter chapter four, what Peter addresses. This is out of the Message Bible here today. It says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Come on, God's on the job. Come on, God's working on your behalf, right? Verse 13. Instead, he says, be glad that you're in the very thick of what God, what Christ experienced. This is what I want you to see. This is a spiritual refining process. This is a spiritual, what? Refining process process. Come on, say this. Say, I think I need some refining in my life. It's a spiritual refining process. So here's the question I want to ask you. Are you willing to be refined? 
Are you willing to be refined? Which brings me to the point two. I believe we're all in the refining process. There's a refining process. Let me go back there. So let's, Jesus said the wise, the foolish builders, wise men, house upon the rock, foolish house upon the sand. Paul says in first Corinthians chapter three, he says, you know, the foundation, there's the gold, silver, precious stones, but there's also the wood, hay and the stubble. This is a simple thought that I just want you to ponder about. See, so many times we read the story of the wise and foolish builder and we think it's either the rock or it's the sand. But I just want to present this. I think what we need to look at, I think there's the rock in us, but there's also the sand in us. I think it's the both in us. And so the refining process, what the refining process does for us, it begins to make us better. The refining process should make us better. In other words, it should be more of the rock and less of the sand. See, I want to be the best that I can be. The refining process. Which are you? Where are you at? Is it sand or is it rock? The refining process. Refining process. The scripture there said the fire reveals to us the integrity of the foundation. What is inside of us? See, we can stand here before each other's face and we can talk about how good we are, how wonderful we are, how great our marriage is, how great our family is. But you really don't know what you've got until you go through the fire. Let me say it again. You really don't know how strong you are until you go through some fire. Has anybody been through some fire before? Come on, anybody been through some fire before? Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times over 34 years of marriage that Tammy and I will get into a disagreement and I'll go away from that thing. Dear God, man, change Tammy. If Tammy would just do what I, if Tammy would just act the way I want her to do. If that, I know no other husband in this room has ever had that moment with God. Like, dear God, change Tammy. Right? Nick, you're really smiling at me over there. <laughs> But this is what I've learned. Anytime that I face a situation where there's something that irritates me, that sets me off, I need to look at myself and ask myself the question, God, what is it in me that's making me mad? What is it in me that's frustrating? What is it in me? In other words, it's the philosophy that we embrace here at World Harvest Church. Because see, so many times, you know what? Our world would be great if everybody treated us wonderful. Come on, our world would be one. Our marriages would be absolutely incredible if our spouse did everything we exactly wanted them to do and said everything we wanted them to say and treated us wonderful all the time. But for the fire to purify us, I need to stop and say, Lord, it's the philosophy we have. Draw a circle around yourself. Work on everything in that circle. Control what you can control, but what you can't, you give it to God. I can't tell you how many times I'd get mad at Tammy. I can't believe she did that or said that or da 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 da. da. And after a while, the Lord's like, "Come on, what, 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 what's going on in you? Well, it's her problem. She's the issue." Lord, get me alone. Are you sure she's the issue? I hate it when you have those moments with God. Anybody else? And the Lord starts shining a light. Ah. Oh. You mean what I did, what I said was what triggered that? Yeah, you was the culprit. <sighs> Come on, anybody with me here today? Come on, we're all in the refining process. There's all the rock, but there's also some sand. In order to be more like Christ, it's got to be less of us. 
In other words, let me make a statement here. The older that you get, the better that you should become. The, the longer you're married, the better your marriage should become. Come on, parents, you should, the older your kids get, the better you should become. Come on, the more we're in Christ, the more we're with Jesus, come on, the better we should become. Amen. But how many of y'all know you got some room to grow, right? Anybody with me? I may not be where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Anybody else with me here at this church? Let me begin to wrap this up. Our goal, our goal is this. Jesus likeness is our goal. Jesus likeness is our goal. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how a young boy, I've seen this even with Caden, he's kind of growing out of it. I, I like those moments where those kids are young and they like to mimic either their dad or, or, you know, a figure in their life. You ever notice that? You know, I've seen that with Cade many times. You do certain things, he'd come behind you and kind of do the very same thing, you know. Uh, it's kind of funny because he's in the stage, our youngest son, and he, he, he's uh, Bryce. He just, anytime he's at home or around it, he's got his shirt off. He's just the way he was, just his shirt's off. And so I'm noticing Caden's doing that all the time. He's just taking his shirt off, you know. He's, he just kind of mimics things. And this is what I've noticed about life. I don't think we ever stop doing those things. You know, we, we, we look for people, things to model after. I remember being young in ministry when we started the church. I mean, I remember I was back in the days, uh, you know, we was managing a TV station out there in Guyman, a TBN TV station, rebroadcasting TBN. I remember those early days, Rod Parsley, man, I want to preach like Rod Parsley. You know, then other people would come along like, man, Stephen Furtick. I mean, everybody loves Stephen Furtick, man. If I could just preach like Stephen Furtick, you know, and then, you know, there's Michael Todd over in Tulsa. Man, if I could just preach like Michael Todd and, you know, all those things, you kind of fall into these things that if we're not careful, we want to mimic somebody else in our lives. You know, I've got whatever I do. I'm going to do it likes, like, but what I need us to all understand is this. If we're going to be Christ followers, then our hearts cry to be more like Jesus. In fact, it's the second Corinthians chapter three says this. Look at the passion translation here. The passion translation says this. This is 318. It says, we can all draw close to him, to Jesus. With the veil removed from our faces, with no veil. Look at this. We all become like mirrors. Mirrors who brightly reflect what? Come on, you tracking with me? Who reflect the glory of the Lord. The glory of Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his what? His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. The glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. Who is that spirit? See, we're all in the process of being transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, if I'm successfully connecting with Jesus, the more like Jesus I should reflect to the world around me. If I am really spending time with Jesus, it says there, man, we don't have this barrier any longer. We can seek him. We can spend time with Jesus. So if I'm really submitted to Jesus, I'm really following Jesus, then me as a husband, I should be treating Tammy better like a queen, like a child of God, like a daughter of God. If I'm really reflecting Jesus, spending time with Jesus, then everything in my life should start reflecting Jesus in our life. Are you with me? Come on, we're all on this journey today. What is it that needs to be burned out of your life? I've shared this story many times since the year 2000, but I just can't get away from it. And it just, for me, you know, I just transparency as a pastor, been in ministry all my life. And many of y'all have heard me share this. I don't want to share it again, but 
As a pastor, it's easy to fall into this false sense of identity and we take our validation, and this is not right, I want you to understand. We take our validation as pastors sometime based upon what I call the nickels and the noses. In other words, how many people came to church? I'll get a report by the end of the day, this is how many people was in church. Then tomorrow I'll see what the offerings were. And there's, a, there's this, I think sometimes as pastors, we can get our eyes on the wrong thing. Because my validation should not come from who's in church and who's not in church. You know what? Do you get me? It's not based upon how many people will come hear me speak. But there's this tendency that we do that as pastors. And I've been in ministry for all my life pretty much. And I still will never forget early months, January, February of the year 2020. Anybody remember 2020? Who can forget? But I still remember January, February, man, there is a stirring in the spirit of World Harvest Church. Our services are packed out. They're full. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, there's this buzz around the community, man. And everywhere I'd go, people say, man, I hear what's going on. You know, I'm going to come check out World Harvest Church. I hear great things about y'all over there. And a lot of the business people I was meeting with are like, wow, man, I hear what's going on at World Harvest Church. I want to come check it out. I'm excited about the year 2020. I'm like, this is our year. Things are exploding. Woo! And then the third week of March hit. Because see, up to that point, we kept hearing this little thing about COVID. And I hear people talk about COVID. Ah, COVID. Come on, anybody heard of COVID before? Ah, we did, didn't we? So I remember talking about how we're going to have to shut down. And I'm like, ah, we'll never have to shut down. Third Sunday of March hit. Guess what we had to do? We shut down for six weeks. And I'll never forget. This was a refining moment for me. When I came in that very first Sunday of our shutdown, it was the third week of March. Now, we'd already decided what we was going to do, worship team, so we could do some post-production stuff in there. Those of you that watched us during the shutdown, our worship was not live. It was pre-recorded on Memorex. I mean, no, it was pre-recorded. That was to take you back to, is it live or is it Memorex? Anyway, that dates me. But they, we videoed the service on Thursday night, they post-edited mixed stuff. But I came in to preach live, and I'll never forget that first Sunday as I walked in over here. There's nobody in the sanctuary. We're having worship on the screen because that's what's being broadcast. I know here in just a couple minutes, I've got to go up and take the stage. And I walked in over there and looked at the empty sanctuary on a Sunday morning, and I began to weep. I'm like, this should not be like this. And I knew in a moment I had to step up and preach like it was a house full. And there was nobody here. Now, i tell you what happened to me through the shutdown, that my dependency upon people being in the seats to hear me preach was broken off of me. Now, let me tell you what's happened since. That vortex of validation still haunts me. But I, I, I keep refusing it. No, in Jesus' name. I am not going to fall back into the trap of people performance. Because my validation comes from who I am in Jesus, not who's coming to hear me. Amen. So I don't want that. That was refined. But even when you get refined from something, it still haunts to come, try to come back. But I refuse it in Jesus name. So y'all keep me accountable. Amen. Now that I've said that, don't skip out on next Sunday. You be here. Be right there in that seat, right there where you were at. Okay. I'm just kidding. Christ likeness is our goal. Let me just read you this in closing. Y'all getting anything out of this message today? Y'all all right today? Let me just read this little story. It always blesses me. There was a group of women in a Bible study one day that was going through the book of Malachi and they were studying chapter three 
they came across verse three, where it says this, that he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This verse puzzled the ladies. And so they wondered what that statement meant about the character and the nature of God. So one of the women in the group offered to find out about the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. So the week, that week, the woman called up a silversmith that lived close by and made an appointment to watch him do his work. You know, she didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest in silver beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. So she went and as she watched the silversmith, he held the piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest so as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. And then she thought again about that verse that says that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. So she asked the silversmith, she says, if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered, she said, yes, he had to. And he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eye closely upon the silver for the entire time that it was in the fire. For if the silver was left even a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for just a moment. And then she asked the silversmith, she said this, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered. He said, oh, that's the easy part. He says, it's fully refined when I can look at it and I see my image reflected in it. How do you know when you're making progress? How do you know when you're growing in Christ? When you can look at your life or when, let me rephrase it better. When others can look at your life and say this, I see Jesus in them. Come on, I see Jesus. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet with me here. Stand to your feet with me here this morning. The refining process. As I've talked about this, I doubt there's anybody in this room that has not been through that process. But did you come out wounded or did you come out better? Did you come out bitter or did you come out more mature? See, my prayer for all of us is this, that we don't come out bitter, but that we come out better. I don't know what the days are going to bring for us that are to come. I know there are some in our world right now that's talking about, hey, we are up on the days the second coming of Christ is, before, is right around the corner. I've got one man I listen to. He thinks Jesus is coming back here in three weeks. I don't know. I don't know. It could happen. I don't know. But all I'm saying is this, and this is a whole other message, that if we are truly entering into the end times, and the Bible clearly tells us that there's going to be hard times for many. So what are we going to do when the storms, what are we going to do in the midst of the fire? What are we going to do in this cultural war that we're fighting? Let me tell you, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand strong because we're founded. Our marriages are founded upon the word of God. Come on. Come on. Our families are founded upon the word of God. Come on. Our businesses are founded upon the word of God. There's a strong foundation. We're not going to be moved in Jesus name. We're going to stand strong. Anybody with me here today? Come on. I want you to bow your head, bow your head. And I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I'm going to stand strong. Come on. Say every part of my life is going to be strong in you. I'm going to say this, I will not be moved by the storms nor the fire of life. I'm getting better and I will not grow bitter. I'm growing stronger in Jesus name.
Come on, y'all receive that today. Amen and amen.